Yes, I'm domesticating. <laughs> One way or the other, he's going to get domesticated. After how long? 20 years of marriage? 22? Uh, we're going on 24. 24 years of marriage. Yeah. It's about time you got domesticated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long, long road. <laughs> he uh, fired the maid some years ago, and uh, and then he was like, I'll just do it. But see, he doesn't know how to do it. Oh. So I end up having to go back and redo what he does. In marriage speak, this means... He doesn't do it the way you like to do it. That's have correct. it done. That is. Yeah, that's, that's what. That's. My wife's like, why is the house not clean? I'm like, it's clean. What are you talking about? We we see. <laughs> yes. You know how I uh, fix that problem? Got divorced. I was about to say. <laughs> Got divorced. Got divorced. And, and it's wonderful. And now his apartment is shitty. <laughs> <laughs> It is a shit storm in there. That is correct. I'm not even going to deny it. it uh, you like can't deny storm. it because there was one day that we were we were zooming or something, and I went. I think we were going to go live for a, a Twitch show, and I was like, John, seriously, you've got to move because we can see all that shit behind you. It hasn't changed. Some of the shit may be in a different corner, but I guarantee you that shit is still well, there. The one, the one corner that you found that was clean worked. There so yeah, yeah. There you go. Just one corner. <laughs> All right. Well, let's kick this off. Yeah. Let's dive into it. Atlanta, where five upcoming months of election ads are going to make us even more apathetic. Like that was possible. <laughs> it's the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell, and a man who's still asking why there's no decent heavy metal anymore, John Mihalik. Hey, same John, same scene. Hey, everybody, it's the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. I'm John Mihalik, and this is my co-host, the Artistic Director of Whole World Improv Theater, Chip Powell. Hey, John. Hi, Chip. What's going on? Wow. Your radio voice is getting better and better every episode. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm excited because we have been interviewing our main cast this whole entire season, mm -hmm. and today we have Manish Tiagi. 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 I, I'm always going to say it wrong. And I still, <laughs> I always say it wrong. Maybe it's on purpose. I don't know. No one ever says Mihalik right. Yeah, I definitely don't. You get that too, though, that just like people who have never met you before, you know, they try to like say your name. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every variety possible. I was on a Zoom call for work and I had three different people say my name three different ways on the same call. <laughs> oh my god. Well, right, I guess I'm just going to roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Monish, we want to talk about where did Monish grow up? I was born in New Jersey. I don't like to talk about that part of my life. <laughs> and then uh, we, they moved to Atlanta. <laughs> What got you into the arts? Like, as a young kid, was there a desire? Was there drive or passion to do something in the theater world? Yeah. 
I used to be obsessed with The Lion King as a five-year-old kid, and so I would like pretend I was Mufasa on the top of our stairs, like on top of Pride Rock. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's a normal thing to do, but that's what I did. So I think that's mm-hmm. I've always had that sort of obsession with other people. But then again, growing up, I was I was kind of like the head 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 guy, head cook, the family dinner table type of stuff. But I never really thought about doing anything beyond that. And then in middle school. And none of them were like actors or really into it, but they were just like, oh, this, there's this basically an extra role effectively in this play. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll audition for that. And I got the audition, um, whatever, like results back. Oh. What was the junior high play? Oh. Oh, oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to do a Jack and the Beanstalk puppet show in French. Woo, that was a long ass Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. Yeah. It was very painful for the audience. What'd you do in high school? I got a smaller part in that my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sophomore year, we did this fun play. Wow. From, uh, yeah. From comedy about the 11 different ways in which a coherent went awry. And resulted in a double suicide. Wow. Sounds like you went to a very sophisticated school. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, well, you know, they, they, the theater program there was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty great, uh, I would say. So uh, we did some Shakespeare and yeah. all the kind of classics. Mm-hmm. I loved the old high school plays. Oh, well, oh I have much different memories of them. So then you went to L.A., right? Yeah. yeah so I went to USC for That's right. And uh, I spent a semester in L.A. And I was doing some back stuff. And then I was like, oh, I really like this kind of theater stuff. And I was like, oh, I should probably go back to L.A. Big, like, handy cam, camera. And we were just, like, having a sleepover at my house. And we were all just, like, playing on this, like, Go with what you know.
Mm-hmm. All through high school, and I got super into it. Taught myself how to edit and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, that's what I, that's what I do. That's what I studied from. That's what led me to California. And then you started doing improv out there, um, right? Not oh. really that much out there. So while I was out there, I was kind of more focused on like the behind the camera type okay. of stuff. So the film program there, it's like kind of like A to Z film production. So you write, you direct, you edit, you learn how to operate a camera lights like all that kind of stuff so i was kind of more doing that type of stuff but i did take an improv class i took an improv class at improv olympic west while i was out there while mm-hmm. i was out there i guess it wasn't like what i was mainly focused on and uh i was also just being a college student yeah yeah oh yeah and so are you doing any theater at all or no other uh, yeah no. yeah Let's talk about what's the the video poster that's next door. What's that called? Uh, Thunderman that's right. Yeah. Yes. The movie we did in high school called Thunderman, and this was like full ninety minute feature length film parody of superhero movies. It was called Thunderman because we had a teacher in our school whose name was Dan. So we were like, okay, Thunderman. So he was a history teacher by day, superhero by night. So we had kids in our class like play all of these teachers. Basically, impersonate teachers that talk about school <laughs> like and then that. turn them into like superheroes or villains. And there's a whole, it was like a, a little uh, you know, Marvel universe type thing. And then we made a sequel to it called Thunderdance 2. Which, so, Thunderdance 1, like, I think I literally wrote like in pencil on the back of like my history homework. Like, that was the production quality that yeah. we had there. <laughs> and then, after I started getting into film school and doing more of this type of stuff, I was like, okay, let me actually write like a script and we'll do like a shot list. And Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think it's on YouTube, isn't it? The trailer. Yeah. The trailer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and did you actually have like previews of the movie? Like, do you had people gather and watch? And Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was like everybody's back in town for Christmas break kind of thing. So it's all right, we'll have the big premiere of Thunderdance too. And we actually like worked with the school to make it into like an official alumni event and like they put up money for it and like these sessions and it was like a whole thing. And, and, and <laughs> we get back and I'm like, so we just finished the movie together. Oh no. <laughs> so so literally we're like There's like a premiere happening, and then like you know, John, you you'll know this type of stuff pretty well. Like the export's not rendering fast enough. <laughs> 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 yeah. Like two hours, so we literally bring the computers to the school so we can render it. Yeah, we had the first half of the movie done, so we played that while the second half of the movie <laughs> rendered. And then, like, we're like, we're going to take a 10 minute intermission. Actually, let's make it a 20 minute intermission. Oh, my God. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Before yeah. you just show up and yeah. put on a show. Uh, that was a stressful night. 
That's the movie you've got to make. You've got to make the move, oh, the yeah. making of that oh, movie. Yeah. It was, oh, Jesus. It was very comical. Very <laughs> <laughs> and it was a bummer because, like, you guys know this, like, it is a comedy. And one of the fun parts about doing comedy live or, or certainly making, like, a, a movie that was a comedy is, like, hearing the audience react to the mm-hmm. stuff that you wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I missed all of that because I was sitting waiting for <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in some random, like, English classroom. Right. Yeah. This program is supported in part by Georgia Council for the Arts through the appropriations of the Georgia General Assembly. Georgia Council for the Arts also receives support from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. And thank goodness for organizations like these, because now more than ever, Anybody sick of that phrase? Everyone knows how important the arts are. Because where did everybody turn to after two years of health arts? Let's keep recognizing these amazing organizations for what they are and what they do. We love you. So uh, you complete your work in L.A. and you come back to Atlanta? So when do you find Whole World? So it was while I was doing that, I'd been back in Atlanta about two years at that point. So 2015. I've always like had this, you know, I guess like the two sides of my interest thing, right? So like when I was working like pure play on like the arts and entertainment side of things, I was kind of missing like more of the, the structure and the numerous side of things from like the sort of business side of my brain. And then when I was just working a desk job, I was like, all right, man, I need to be Yeah. Like that. yeah. But I was just kind of looking for something that reflects that side of my brain. And I came to a show here as an audience member, and I was like, this looks exactly like what I always loved to do mm-hmm. back when I was a kid, back when I was in high school, making silly videos. Like, this is the type of stuff I like to do. And so I signed up for a one day workshop with Grant, and I mentioned that I'd taken some improv classes before. And so then he had me. Yep. And so that's when I started the class program in Peel. So that was in April of 2015. So working in that program, you haven't done any sort of stage performance in some time. Yeah. You're auditioning for us. You're coming in. What's it like just getting back into it? Somewhat of a yeah. highs. It was more fun, I think, than anything else. Mm-hmm. Certainly a little nerve-wracking, right? <laughs> um, but again, sort of, to be perfectly honest, like when I signed up for 201, Mm-hmm. 
think about being an apprentice or being made to. I was yeah. Like, oh, this will be my creative outlet. Yeah. And it just brought back all those fun memories from when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is actually what I love. And do. this time you actually got to hear the audience's yeah, reaction. Like, you got to see the reaction, and it was yeah. so fun. And that, mm-hmm. everybody knows those grad shows are so much fun. And then afterwards, I mean, Emily was like, hey, do you want to think about getting more involved here? Mm-hmm. Keep taking classes, going to a class mm-hmm. at that time, unusual suspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And so and there was kind of no looking back. I would say yeah. like that first show, it was just so fun. So that was kind of the way I could come back. Yeah, I was just telling, we were talking to Aaron, and I was saying that the grad show that they had last week, I got super nervous for them because they'd only had 10 weeks because we've changed the program to get geared up for a show. So you're nervous for them. You're nervous for yourself. You want to make sure that they look good. And I felt like I wrote a show that would showcase them in the right way. And it was so rewarding when you see how many people come and support it, the energy that they're putting out, the reactions that they're getting from the audience. And there were a few of them that were on the fence, but once they did the show and they got off stage, they were like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I am going to do the next one because, you know, I think there's just so many nerves and now that it's 10 weeks to get them there, it's crazy. Like it goes so fast. And, (laughs) but so you're in a performance group, like you're performing, you're taking classes and then we say, boom, can you be an apprentice? Tell people that are trying to get there what that's like. Oh, yeah. Carlos was a ball buster. That's fast. Wow. Yeah. 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 But I know how to pick them, Monish. I mean, that's, <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> but uh, so now you become main cast. Tell folks that are listening, what is that like now that you're main cast? Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Tanya, mm-hmm. uh, Eric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Like that was who we saw perform. And again, before I take a class or anything, I'm just you know you walk away, you're like, wow, that was an incredible show. Mm-hmm. Group of talented people. You're like, how do they do that? Like those are all the thoughts that are running through your head. And then just one year later, it's like, okay, now you're my peers, right? Yeah. Like, now I'm a part of this group. So there definitely is like that sort of initial, almost like intimidation factor, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Impersonations with Brian Snyder, or I'm doing eight words against Drew Dotson. Yeah. Kind of like, I just want to be able to like not derail the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I got to give credit to like that group. Mm. They were so welcoming and supportive and encouraging. They weren't like taking it easy on you necessarily, but it was this like, hey, we trust you just as much as you trust us. I think that gave me a lot of confidence. So yeah, you kind of fight through the nerves, and then after you get that. I mean, that's kind of the fun part about improv, right? It's like, it really is a team sport. And so, mm. if there's five people in a show, six people in a show, like, all six of those people have an important role to mm-hmm. play in that show. And so, I was one piece of that equation, and it was a lot of mm-hmm. fun to be in that spot. And so, when you are in the height of your main cast, you step away. So, obviously, there was no way in hell we were going to let you go. But obviously you had to go because you wanted to continue your education. And I thought that was brilliant. But I wanted to make sure you knew that the door was going to be wide open for you to return. Tell people about that journey. Yeah. Yeah. No, so you're absolutely right. I was moved up to Maycast, performing shows for a few months. And right around that time, I got admitted into business school at the University of Virginia. It was another like kind of moment where I was torn because Mm -hmm. I loved what I was doing here. I had no step for me. It was kind of what I always at some point envisioned doing was like mm-hmm. best to get a graduate degree and it was just like the timing was yeah. know, kind of weird. I remember talking mm-hmm. with you about it, Chev, and you know, and I was just like, I really want to do this, but I do have one part of my life mm-hmm. that I want to mm-hmm. but, you know, this part of my life I don't want to lose. It's tough, but you know, you mm-hmm. guys are so supportive and said, go do that. Yeah. We'll always be here. And, and when you take a break and come back, you can perform <laughs> and yeah, well, I mean, I, that was a super Mm-hmm. Christmas or whatever, and we get to pop into a show every mm-hmm. now and then. And that was a lot of fun. So it was a great way to kind of keep not just the door open, but keep like sort of my because you know the performing aspect is mm-hmm. certainly one part that mm-hmm. you miss because there's not a whole world of improv theater everywhere. Right? No, like, yeah, not this amazing artistic venue in lots of different cities. But beyond that, it's the people, right? It's like you spent this year building these like close friendships with all these people, and now you're moving away. So getting to come back and pop into those shows those familiar faces it was a real breath of fresh air Mm -hmm. Uh, and then it just so happened that the job i got afterwards brought me back to atlanta so Mm -hmm. i was able to yeah and we're glad you did so you come back and then you start teaching so what is the difference for someone who's a main cast member that then starts to instruct how does that change your performance somebody both from a scene work perspective and from sort of like a game 
craft perspective, like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you have to do that as a teacher for improv, it really makes your understanding of those concepts, whether it's scene work mm-hmm. or something about a specific game, I think that much sharper. So then when you bring it to your performance, you kind of have that, I think, just like playing in the back of your head where you're like, okay, I understand the cases really well because I've had to not only do them myself, but mm-hmm. I've had to explain them to another person. And then emceeing, I think, is actually a whole other layer on top that where now you're thinking about you know I think sometimes as a performer you're in your four or five scenes for a show and that's kind of all you're thinking about mm-hmm. you have to see that whole nine ten scene part mm-hmm. okay well how does the momentum and the energy need to pick up through the first act and you land on a high note and you mm-hmm. like pull the intermission and then let's get the audience back in that first scene right after intermission and how do you just kind of navigate that whole journey that you're taking the audience on Given show fit into that journey, so it's a much bigger equation. I think. I think that's given me a lot of appreciation as an actor of knowing. Okay, well, if I know that the second scene, the second act is eight words, like okay, this is kind of how I need to approach it, and here's what I might need to do differently than if it were another game or if it were placed in a different part of the show or that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I think how you approach it. Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, where beautiful people bring you the arts while surrounded by singing birds and fairies. They must have us mistaken for something like Shakespeare in the Park. Or the vagina monologues. Vagina. What did you learn as an apprentice that you would pass on to other apprentices? Right. between those games and how do you really right. understand the potential to play them to their sort of maximum potential and I think all that comes down to two things repetition so getting up mm-hmm. there on Wednesdays for more than just one scene at a time right getting mm-hmm. up two three four times if you can on Wednesdays not just sitting back and watching mm-hmm. that helps a lot I think now that we have some games coming to those and getting additional repetition mm-hmm. makes sense I think the third thing is, is seeking feedback on like what you can do better because like even if you or even if you've done a scene that went really well, there's probably something that could have gone a little bit better, whether it's with the actual scene work or with the game aspect of it. And that's true for not just apprentices, by the way. I mean, and everybody, too. yeah. But actually, like, seeking out that feedback, it's really easy as an MC even to just be like, hey, that was a great scene. Like, you know, let's not talk about it because it went fine. But I always find the apprentices who walk up to me after a show as an MC will be like, hey, like, what do you 
mm-hmm. better. Like yeah. that's how you get better is by kind of mm-hmm. dissecting it. But I think the other part of it too, which I don't think it's talked about as much, but I think is really important is understanding like this place is really a community, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really a group of people who kind of like do this because they love to do it. And sort of like the attitude that you bring to that community and the energy that you mm-hmm. bring to that community matters. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it, and I get everybody's got different time pressures and all that kind of stuff, but I guess the advice I would give is while you're here, just bring like a real positive energy to like whatever it is you're doing here. Like whether you're performing a show or you're a house manager or you're running lights, like if you bring a good energy to the two, three hours you spend here, like that's going to make a a positive impact on this place. And I think it's going to show. No, that's very well said, because that is definitely, you know, I do believe that the attitude of the folks performing affect the show, because if they're backstage and we're having a good time and things are going great, we usually have a good show. If there's some sort of tension or something's off or someone's in the corner, it can tend to also affect the show in a different way. So it's, I think it's really about the protection of not only the performers because they need to have a safe space, but it's also the protection of the entire evening of what these people are going to see and yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Greeted at the box office, the way that their drink order goes, the way that the house manager brings them into the building, the house speech. I think sometimes when you're working a cruise ship, you kind of feel like you're just doing something to check it off the list. Mm-hmm. Bring an attitude of, "Hey, I'm a part of the show." I'd agree with that. I know there's been so many times where I just thought, eh, what's really going on with me here? But you know what? It was the people. That's what yeah. kept bringing me back here. Is this, this you know what? I'm not going to get this anywhere else. Yeah, it is.
And that are still friends after 28 years that have raised children. Their kids have come through the program. Their family members come to the shows to support those kids. They bring the whole family for the holiday. It just it goes on and on and on and on as to the friendships that developed from each different group that came through here. And it's generations of people. And I think that that more so than anything, is the success of what we do because we're not just building a great show. We're building friendships. We're building our lives. I mean, yeah. how many people have come through these doors and gotten married and still maintained a status here? You know, it's like we watch people grow up and grow into different things. But I do think it does start when you start instructing here. It takes on a different persona for everyone which is why I need more of the folks that are here instructing because it really does make you put your money where your mouth is because then you're doing a show and your student comes up to you and says, you asked a question. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I, yes, I did. But I know I knew how to handle it. (laughs) The biggest takeaway so far this season for me has been when I start teaching, a student's going to come up to me and say, Jen, you asked a question. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen, but hey. But I think after so many years of teaching improv that, you know, I embrace, you know, when I first started, corporate events would scare the crap out of me because it's a different beast. And over the years, learning how to go in and maintain, like we just did a corporate workshop for somebody and they had not seen each other in two years. It was their first meeting. And this was just a week ago. It was their first company meeting face to face in the building in two years. And so we were the surprise, the workshop. But those people were so excited, A, not to be on Zoom, but to all be in a room together (laughs) doing this improv thing that, you know, I have to get really, I've learned how to really project my voice to get their attention. But it's also one of those things now I really look forward to doing because knowing and understanding how the lesson plan translates from performance to corporate was something I had to teach myself. And I feel like I've got a good handle on it now. So now I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that workshop because now I feel like there's more purpose to what I'm teaching than maybe my first couple of times ever doing it years ago. I was just like, oh, my God. Well, and of course, we, we would do it a lot longer. We've learned to kind of shorten it down, too, to keep their, uh, you know, their attention. So. Yeah. I mean, that brings up a good point, which is like, you know, there's obviously through those workshops, it's like, what we teach here in improv is so beneficial mm-hmm. in so many things outside of ever performing on stage. Oh, yeah. I think that's why, like, in the corporate world, we're always starting to adopt that. But, I mean, it's yes and. It's sort of like mm-hmm. all the following. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's another thing that is awesome about this art form. It's just like not only is it practical, but like what people can learn from it and what they can adapt from it. And it's very translatable to a lot of different functions. I love it. <laughs> this is good. I think we should play this one next. <laughs> Let's just put this one on next. Do you know how much editing I've already done and not done? <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Can I edit? We have more? Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, now that you'd mentioned though editing, I'm just going to be like, hmm, oh, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe I can throw some of this shit down. <laughs> 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 I, I don't envy the editing part of this, of this uh, job that you have. <laughs> there is something though, since you were our first episode, our pilot episode, you came back and you've guest hosted. So you're my control in the experiment here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. How are we doing so far? <laughs> I think it's great. I love it. I uh, I really enjoyed first season with like the um, the backstory type of stuff, and maybe it's just me because I'm sort of a nerd like this in, in many ways. But I love hearing the origin stories. I love mm-hmm. how different places got started, and whether it's you know here or Pellegrini uh, mm-hmm. biography. So like that. Mm-hmm. Was Yeah. Right? But like, <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be stuff I'm going to learn mm-hmm. from this podcast. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's something that Aaron talked about. Yeah. Yeah. That I would have never picked up in a conversation mm-hmm. Well, and taking it back to childhood, you know, because I think, you know, a lot of what we do, like you said, we're playing like kids, like when we were little. And so hearing how, you know, a lot of people did or didn't have any sort of theater background or any desire that ended up here, but then there was others that did. I mean, there was no question with my family as to what I was going to be doing because I was always performing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was never, never a dull moment. Very similar. Yeah. <laughs> never a dull moment. I would actually sell tickets in our uh, dining room when they would have people over. I would sell tickets for a dollar each. And I would collect it, give them a ticket, an actual ticket, that I would get my brother or one of his friends to tear the ticket. And we'd have the dining room chair set up in the living room. We'd have a sheet over the front foyer, and uh, the show would begin. And it was always... <laughs> So I don't think even as a kid, they had any doubt. The difference here, both of you were performers at a young age, but only Chip was monetizing. You were just like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you went to business school. You got a... a, You're in the wrong line of work. I mean, I I can make seven bucks a show, (laughs) y'all. <laughs> you uh get your brother and his friends to be the crew. <laughs> oh yeah. But neither of you paid them. Well, they got dessert after the show was over. I mean, yeah, I might get dessert. Yeah. I was 14. That's not really. It's a touchy subject with my brother when you bring it up because he was always crew or the part he didn't want to play. <laughs> that, how I've made him forced him to work. Those types of things are so fun, though, to look mm-hmm. back on and like how you figured it out and mm-hmm. made it happen. And, and uh, we, we made this video called Teach Me to Act, right? Which is a parody of Empire State of Mind, Billy Dee and Alicia Keys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we roll up to Turner Field at the time, and 
it was the winter, so we just like roll in through the, the gate was just open for Turnerfield. Uh, so we walk <laughs> in and we were like filming like, you know, like pressing play on this little boom box and like the cameras and sound guys like just all playing little speakers and shit. And like then it's like, oh, what do you guys film? And we're like, yeah, we just filmed a couple like skaters playing in the building and like <laughs> break dance and, and like I just wanted to film our family vacation. <laughs> you mess up the field. You improvised it, <laughs> and then take away the tripod. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been amazing. Thank you, Manish, for being a friend to our little podcast here. Indeed. And until next week, I'm John Mihalik. I'm Chip Powell. And scene. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, a podcast John works on while his dog stares at him in silent judgment. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and sultan of swing is Chip Howell. Recording, writing, and post-production by John Mihalik. Aw oh man, he added a writer? <laughs> Thought we'd settle it. Original music by The Gentle Readers. And our social media maven is Bethany Rowe. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. After all, who doesn't love a scrappy underdog podcast like us? Whole World Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible. How you spend the money you save is up to you. We don't judge. Maybe I'll go ahead and finally buy my booby tassels. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlo. I just got off a plane. I had a layover in Charlotte. I think it was the most crowded, densely crowded terminal I've ever been in. I've been in a lot of terminals. This was like shoulder to shoulder for the length of 10 gates. It was was crazy. At 10 o'clock at night, there was a seven-year-old or so behind me trying to solve a Rubik's Cube the whole time. Uh, Five inches from Minogin. (laughs) And I'm not not one to easily annoy. I'm quite a little too passive, I would say, or so I've been told. But for however long, how many hours that was, I don't know. But you just hear... <laughs> then you think it stops. Torture, water drip torture. And then it just goes... <laughs> I didn't snap, though. I didn't snap at all. Been a long journey, folks. I hope you have had a wonderful beginning of the summer so far. I love you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. In a man who's still asking why there's no decent heavy metal anymore, John Mihalik. Hey, same John, same same. What do you like the little uh, Amana Marth, Oa Noir, Megadeth, Meshuga? Or are you in? Or are you talking like the Metallica, like before they got all weird, Black Album that the whole that whole thing.
metal, metal, like the... Or the... Or, you know, just the classic, uh, I guess the kids would consider grunge, maybe? Metal nowadays? I'm not sure. But, yeah, John, I agree. I myself prefer George Michael to the grave. Maybe a little Hall and Oates, Abba, Flock of Seagulls, Erasure, Duran Duran, of course, Depeche Mode. Words are very unnecessary. It's three in the morning. <laughs>